Okay. All right. Welcome to Peggy's Recovery Corner. Uh, this is a recovery podcast. Today is December 14th, 2021. I'm here today at 12 p.m. PSD noon with my very special guest, Robert Sears. Welcome to the corner. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. Um, so this is Recovery Podcast. We talk about all things recovery in many different forms, shapes, sizes, and aspects. And, um, and you know, let's, let's get right into it. Usually we talk about, we delve into your past and see what your upbringing is, where you're from, and then kind of just work our way up through what, what happened and then later on the recovery portion. So where are you from? I uh, lived pretty much my whole life until I was 17 in Sarasota, Florida. Um, what do you want, want me to just like kind of go into my past? So Sarasota, Sarasota, Florida is where you were born? Uh, Oklahoma, but I lived there for about three months. And uh, my memory is fuzzy of those first three months of my life. Mm-hmm. Any siblings? Nope. Nope. Just well, me. Only child? Yeah, my parents were 42 and 47 when I was born. They were both deemed medically infertile, so I was a happy accident. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I must say, and I told you this the other night when we were somewhere uh, amongst friends, I said, you're one of the most interesting people I've ever met. And I mean that when I say it because well, you're a brainiac. You have, uh, you're, you're very, it seems very educated, very smart, um, and you've had quite an interesting life thus far. How old are you right now? 26. 26 years old. So growing up in Sarasota, Sarasota, Florida. Yeah. Say that 10 times. Um, what was life like, like in your childhood and then growing up there? Um, you know, uh, I'm really glad I grew up in like a small town in Florida because uh, we're just like a lot like friendlier there, you know, like, there was, uh, whenever I wanted to be alone, I could just like leave mm-hmm. and go into the woods and like come out when I wanted to see people again. Sure. And everyone could do that if they wanted to. So like people were, you know, a lot uh, friendlier than they are out here. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, man. I was always a, a weird kid, kind of a loner. I had, you know, one friend at a time. Um, I had... I don't know, my, my parents thought that, like, I might have uh, some, uh, that I might be, like, really slow when I was a kid. Because, like, you know how babies, like, can only focus on something for, like, 10 seconds? Sure. Like, I would, like, be able to focus on, like, one toy for, like, 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. And they were like, oh, this kid's dumb. Okay. Um, and um, They assumed you were dumb. Yeah, yeah. But then, like, you know, I was... Uh, by the time I was four, like, I'd always just, like, get uh, really into some weird niche thing. Like, when I was four, it was, like, I was reading, uh, like, you know, like, a thesaurus of toxic plants, you know. For some reason, that was what I thought was uh, interesting. Um, Your family has, there's, there's ed- they're educated, correct? Um, my mom is very educated. Uh, my dad's education consisted of uh, being the biggest weed dealer at OU in uh, you know, the late 60s. Mm-hmm. Um, he was an insurance agent. Um, my mom is a clinical psychologist. Okay. 
And uh, so growing up within the house, uh, were you reading a lot? No. Um, I had a weird reading disability where, like, uh, I just couldn't track the words on the line very well. And my brain was just moving way faster than I could take in information. Mm. Um, So, like, I was really good at math. But, like, I never really got into reading all that much. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, most of most of the reading that I've done has been like uh, literature on whatever topic in neurobiology I'm interested in at the time. Like, it's I've never gotten into fiction novels or anything. Okay, so growing up in Sarasota, was it sort of a uh, you know affluent area? Was it normal? Was there upper middle class? Upper middle class. Okay. We were an upper middle class family until. Uh, my parents decided to get divorced in 07 and then the crash hit in 08. And then um, it was a long time of like, uh, is the bank going to find the paperwork that it needs to foreclose on the house that we can't afford anymore? Mm-hmm. Um, and they didn't for a really long time. Right. They just lost the deed to the house that they needed to foreclose on. So like, you know, um, I don't know. Things were after that, things were uh, tight. But, like, I, I've never had to worry about where I'm getting my next meal or if I can go to the doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. I had, you know, um, I had a good childhood. You know, my dad was uh, a little bit, um, you know, a, a little distant and a little bit closed off, but he was a good dad. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom you know uh was a little bit too concerned with making sure that i never had to experience any difficulty whatsoever and that probably stunted my growth a little bit Mm um you know they they should not have been together you know my mom and her husband now get along great i had the good fortune of uh, officiating their wedding um and i'm i absolutely love seeing them together um, but, uh, yeah, she and my dad didn't, you know, there were a lot of yelling fights, but you know, that shit happens for a lot of people. It's, it's not like I had some weird trauma mm-hmm. in my past that was like something that I could point to, to use as uh, a reason for, uh, being an addict and an alcoholic. Okay. So that, I want to get into that. First of all, were you athletic as a child? Or um, a youngster? No, I was a fat kid. You were a fat kid? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Were Did people make fun of you? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Did you get picked on? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Bullied? Yeah, and it was like more than that, it was just like, um, I'm a little bit on the autism spectrum. Sure. And like there are some really cool things that that does for my life now, mm-hmm. and I wouldn't change it for the world. Right. Um, but like when I was a kid and uh, – being on the autism spectrum really sucks Mm -hmm. while uh, your self-worth is based on what other people think about you. Mm -hmm. Cause there's just like, uh, there's a, I, I, the, what I perceive is there's a piece in most people's brains that automatically tells them like, this is the socially appropriate thing to do in this moment. And this is how I'm supposed to act. And it's kind of like this background process for me. I don't have that. It's a fucking black box to me. So if I uh, want to figure that out even poorly, I have to like uh, 
rob from the area of my brain that I'm using to think. Okay. It's an active thought process. So like, you know, I, I, um, I was trying to uh, fit in, but I was always trying to figure out actively how to fit in because like my brain didn't help me with that at all. So uh, were you, were you prescribed Ritalin or Adderall or anything like that as a youngster? No, no, not until uh, I was 17. Okay. But they Uh, did prescribe it to you. Yeah. Okay. Now when you say on the spectrum, um, autism spectrum, autism spectrum, uh, when were you diagnosed? Um, Never. So you've never actually gone to a doctor and had them tell you a diagnosis? No, I'm, uh, the thing is like, I'm, um, I'm too high functioning to get diagnosed (laughs) with autism, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, uh, I mean, your mom being a psychologist, did she ever throw that, the the, the, the terminology around the house? My mom didn't know. Um, uh, I didn't really figure it out till I was like 20. Mm Mm-hmm. Like no one really told me. Like, it's usually is... around 20 years of age that men and women maybe they may present themselves in a certain way. So sometimes they'll go get a diagnosis. You kind of figured it out for yourself. Yeah. Um, you know, like, uh, I don't know if you, if you talk to any of my friends, they'd be like, uh, yeah, he's, he's kind of autistic. That's, that's definitely what it is. Um, you know, like, I don't know now because autism spectrum shows up early, but the thing is it's generally diagnosed in more severe cases as like a learning disability. I did uh, uh, applied behavioral analysis for autistic kids as a job for one point, and there were none of them that functioned anywhere close to as well as I function. You just don't seek treatment if you're functioning well. Mm-hmm. It's just that's a weird kid. You if know. you don't mind me asking, at 17, why did you see a doctor to be prescribed any kind of stimulant like an Adderall or what was it? Well, Vyvanse? Or- yeah, yeah. Um, it was Vyvanse. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't thought about that in a long time. Well, um, I mean, what brought you to the doctor to the point where they thought, you know well, what, we think we need you to. I started this- asking for ADHD. I, I started noticing that, like, I had um, a severe inability to pay attention uh at like eight because like uh, when i was talking to people mm-hmm. it's like i get the first three words of what they were saying but then you're just and blank out space yeah and then i get the last three words of what they were saying and i had to backfill everything that they said in the middle sure um and uh just respond based on what i think they said mm-hmm. and i got good at that um but uh, I started noticing there was something wrong uh, when I was eight. And then at 11, I asked for meds for it. Uh, but my uh, parents didn't believe in ADHD at that point, which sure. is funny. Cause like my mom, um, my mom was, uh, you know, my entire childhood was basically a housewife. You know, she didn't, she didn't seek uh, education until, uh, you know, later after my parents got a divorce okay um so like my parents just didn't believe in adhd and i'm 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 glad it's really not (laughs) it's probably not the best thing like you you know i'm sure there are advantages to uh medicating a kid for adhd but there are also really severe disadvantages Mm -hmm. you know so like i'm at least glad i like got through physical development before i was medicated for it Okay, so 
And then also before being medicated for it, did you, were you ever experimenting with any drugs like marijuana, alcohol, hallucinogens before all that? Yep. All of it? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. I mean, like there were drugs that I tried for the first time after I got on ADHD meds, but like uh, I was, I was probably about eight months into drug use before, um, I sought an ADHD medication prescription. Okay. It was, it was, the drug use as in what? Um, smoking a lot of weed. Um, uh, not, I wasn't drinking all that often because when you're 16 or 17, alcohol is the hardest drug to get. Sure. Um, a lot of mushrooms I was starting to get into ecstasy. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, I, Did you I, think the weed was helping you? Yeah. It was calming you down or um, was it good for yeah, you? Yeah. Fuck man. Like, look, when I was 14, um, you know, I had, I had this thing, right? Like the thing with, um, uh, the mild autism shit, uh, you know, I, I, I remember, um, sitting in a room with three other people for six hours, um, and just trying to figure out what the right thing to say was. And I didn't say a goddamn thing for six hours. Um, and I'd smoke weed and that just went away. And then you could find all the right words. Yeah. I could just be me. I didn't, I didn't care what other people thought about me anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, I can find the right words now too, because I don't care what people think about me anymore. Right. You know, uh, but uh, the drugs did that for me. Okay, so, and this was probably more in your adolescence, like an experimental phase, just having fun with some weed, doing some hallucinogens, like many kids do. Um, Not to say they should. I'd, I mean, like... They do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, like, um, I'm not sure for me there really ever was an experimental phase. Mm-hmm. Um, because... So were for, you an instant, instantaneously addicted? Um. I wasn't instantaneously like a daily all day user. Uh-huh. Um, it progressed. Yeah, for sure. But definitely from the first time I tried a substance, uh, the thing happened in my brain where I was like somewhere out there, there is a combination of substances I can take. That's going to fix me. That is the solution to my problem. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, the way I see uh, drug addiction is it's, pretty much a drug solution more than a drug problem. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'd say, you know, like I didn't know it at the time. Right. Right. But yeah. It's interesting that when I was working as a, as a counselor, mm-hmm. as like a, in a rehab, people would come in and uh, often when I do a biopsychosocial with their therapist, we would kind of go throughout their whole past and talk about when did you first start using, mm. find about their family upbringing, like their, about the, the makeup of their family. Um, when did the drugs become a problem? What were, you know, did you stop doing physical activities? Did you stop doing the things that you liked doing best when you, before mm. you were using and And um, usually like they'll say it became a problem pretty much right away. Like, or sometimes mm-hmm. it didn't become a problem until I started at 13 until I was 17. Yeah. I mean like, so um, I started using summer before 11th grade mm-hmm. um, and I was, you know, it was definitely immediately a little bit of a problem. It yeah. was a huge problem when 
uh, second uh, semester, I went to a community college full time and my dad got me an apartment and I was just like, I'm just gonna like party uh, up. Yeah. I mean like, you know, be high all day, not go to class. I was doing mushrooms three times a week mm -hmm. for that six month period. Yeah. Um, and then like the way I did ecstasy was I'd do it like five times in two weeks. And the fifth time I'd come down and I'd be like, I can't smile for a while, can I? And then it would just be like, you know, like I need to take a break from this for a while. Um, yeah, I, I, uh, I never got into anything that was super physically addictive. I, I just, so no heroin, no opiates? Were no. you more of a stimulant guy? Yeah. yeah. Cocaine, meth? By the time I tried cocaine, I'd done so much Adderall that cocaine was boring. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, Adderall is like yeah, and I medical was, speed. Yeah, and I mean, like, I was abusing it. Okay, you, know, you were getting heavily. Adderall prescribed you and you were abusing yeah, it. Yeah, it was like I'd do, I'd get like the maximum prescription, not take it most of the time because I just wanted to be stoned. Um, and was, then, it, was it, did, excuse me for interrupting you, did the Adderall help you with weight? Were you, had you lost the weight? That yeah, you I'd already lost the weight. Um, uh, so that, that was, that was a, that was a different thing. When I was 11, I figured out I didn't have to deal with feelings from my parents' divorce if I just like buried myself in a family size bag of Cheetos. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, between 11 and 15, I became about 40 pounds overweight and I was working out plenty. I was like, um, uh, I had a personal trainer. I was uh, lifting weights. Um, but like, you know, I was also a uh, had a pretty gnarly binge eating disorder. So it was like, work out all you want. That's not going to overcome the binge eating disorder. You can't, you can't overcome like eating, you know, 3000 calories a time. And then when I was 15, I looked in the mirror one day and I remember the thought clearly in my head, it was food makes you fat and you can eat it again when you're skinny. And, um, uh, I started eating, I don't know, maybe 800 calories a day and working out for about six hours. And I lost that 40 pounds in 40 days. So when you say this food eating disorder, was there any bulimia or were you bulimic? Nope. Okay. So no purging, no, none of that. No, not. In, that was, that was later. That was well into sobriety that okay, I started okay. trying all the other eating disorders. How about cutting? Did you ever cut yourself? I tried it once. It wasn't that interesting to me. What did you know about it that you tried it? What made you even try? It? Had some girlfriends who cut. You just caught wind of them cutting. Because yeah, and I was like, maybe there's something to it. You know, I'll try anything once. Okay, <laughs> fair. Um, so, your first attempt at sobriety. How old were you? Um, my first. Like my first half-hearted attempt at sobriety mm -hmm. was uh, 19. Had you gone to treatment? No. And I've still never been to treatment. What made you decide that you wanted to get um, even half-hearted? I, I, I uh, fed my girlfriend at the time too much acid. I had to call my mom and she was like, you need to get sober. That lasted 57 days. Then I went to a rave and I was like, I'm doing ecstasy. So you attempted to for 57 days while living under your mother's roof? No. Say, were no. you living on your own? I was, I was at college. You were in college. Yeah. So, okay. So 
you went 57 days because mom had a conversation with you, like yeah, time to clean it up. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. So after 57 days, like with no, no recovery in motion. Yeah. It was kind of a ticking time bomb. Yeah. Yeah. Just waiting for for the next one. A hundred percent. So then ecstasy came across your path and let's do it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. No mental or spiritual defense against the first 57 days was barely sober. It was like, I had like powdered caffeine that I was snorting. I was like smoking. Powdered caffeine? Who was, does that? I know. I was like, I was like, I know who does it. Taking, Robert Sears yeah. does. That's I was, who. I was like taking bong rips out of like of tobacco, you know, just like seeing how much of a nicotine buzz I could get. So you were still yeah. seeking a buzz. Absolutely. From, all the, all the time. It was it, from it, minimal it, stuff. That's it, not really supposed it, to be it, like, it wasn't categorized as something days, to get you high. It wasn't 57 days sober. It was 57 days of seeing how high I could get on nicotine and caffeine and nothing else. Okay. Yeah. And then you did ecstasy and, and, and so what, what was it? Did mom like, did that last long? What did you, I, I was, I was uh high, all day, every day for the next six months. Okay. Yeah. Doing anything and everything? Um, mostly uh, my baseline was about a gram of hash oil a day. Um, it was two if I actually wanted to get high. Mm-hmm. Um, and being in school, were you even performing? Um, I mean, yeah, I, um, I, I had switched to a psych major because you can kind of do a psych major while you're high because you can just like not go to class and then binge amphetamines during finals week and maintain like a 3.0. Amazing. Okay. So, <laughs> um, so you had that part figured out. Now, then what? Why, why did you – when did you get sober after the – was it after six months? Um, yeah. So after six months, um, I got sober um, and um, actually, you know, uh, tried. I did some stuff. I worked steps to the best of my ability. Wait, wait, wait. So – now this is on you. You're the one that brought up steps. Mm-hmm. Steps in a 12 step community. In a 12 step community. This is in Florida. No, this is out here. I I, uh, I moved out here when I was 17. My dad moved to Oklahoma. My mom lived in LA, and I had to choose between the two. Mm-hmm. It was a pretty easy choice. Okay, so how did you get introduced to that community? Why? Um, just uh, Google. You know, cool. Okay, so you were what 20, 20. 20 years old? Yeah, I had just turned 20. So you were going to some meetings and just learning about the 12 steps? Yeah, and um, you know, like I went through, um, I'd, I'd, I did that to the best of my ability, but like uh, 20 is around the time bipolar starts to come out mm-hmm. when, um, if you have it, and like. You know, I was in one long manic episode for that five months, you know. Okay. There's, um, there's a little, there's a pretty severe limitation in connecting to God when you kind of think you are God. True. <laughs> yeah. Many people with bipolar mm-hmm. do think that. they go. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I, I don't have, like, psychotic uh, manic episodes. It's just, like, um, there was the... Um, there was a, uh, a feature of my mania is like, there's an overwhelming feeling that, uh, what, whatever I think, uh, uh, whatever I think is the right thing to do is the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. And it feels so good that it can't possibly be wrong. Okay. You know? So 
again, you still had had never seen a doctor that diagnosed you with bipolar. This is something you assumed you have? No, I didn't know I had it at that time. How um, did you find out? Um, uh, uh, so after that five months, um, uh, one day I, you know, uh, went to a meeting and uh, it was at capacity. Um, we were limited because the members of that meeting, a bunch of uh, treatment centers had gotten in like a big brawl in the parking lot. So they limited our capacity. Okay. Um, and I got there too late and got turned away. And I was like, you know, fuck it. I'm going to a weed shop. Um, it was, it, it was, you know, like I said, there was a limit to how much actual recovery I could get into because I was in one long uh, manic episode. Okay. Um, and, um, you know, then I went on a series of sprees for the next three months. Using? Uh, yeah, mostly smoking a lot of weed. But um, I, don't know, I remember there was one day that um, I uh, woke up on Tuesday, looked at my phone, and it was Wednesday, and checked the bottle out of van, and it was empty. You know, <laughs> um, it, it was it was gnarly. It Prescribed out of van? Yeah, it was an old prescription that just hadn't. A benzodiazepine. Yeah. You just happen to have. Yeah. Hadn't been using it for a minute. Yeah. You know what? I think I should take some. Yeah. Okay. So, but still, how did you come to the conclusion that you were bipolar? Oh, um, about a month after I got sober, um, uh, like I was, I got sober and I was really, really depressed, like, uh, like pretty much sleeping all of the time, um, for the next month. And then, uh, one day at about, uh, five in the morning after I'd been awake for 20 hours, I just started like singing and dancing for no reason. And then I was, uh, up for the next two days not really needing to, uh, eat or drink water. And, um, I went to a doctor and I was like, yeah, that's bipolar disorder. Okay. So you were diagnosed. Yes. Yeah, so I'm diagnosed and treated for bipolar disorder. Did they give you medication? Yeah. Yeah. Did you, um, did you ever delve deeper into it to see where it originated from? Like, do you think that bipolar disorder originates from trauma? Because before you said you don't no. feel like you. No. This um, is a, a chemical imbalance? Yeah. Okay. It's purely, this is purely a chemical imbalance. It's, okay. um, yeah, it's, it's not, it's not like a, you know, like a personality disorder or something. It's mm -hmm. just literally like, uh, if my brain doesn't have something stabilizing in it, it'll, you know, tell me you need to sleep for two weeks and then not sleep for five days and mm -hmm. then sleep for two weeks and then not sleep for five days. Um, okay. So what about suicidal ideation throughout your life up until this point? Yeah. So when I was, I started having suicidal thoughts when I was 11 around the divorce, I started, you know, holding a knife to my Did wrist. Did the divorce and, fuck with you? Yeah, sure. Okay. And I mean, like, you know, once I got older, I was like, God, my parents shouldn't have been. You're happy. You were happy. Yeah. They got split up. Yeah. But like, you know, when you're 11, you don't have the wherewithal to fucking understand that. Right. You know, it's just like, so what if they're fighting every week? That's clearly what a relationship is because I've only ever seen one and it's theirs. So like, I had no idea that it was a bad relationship. Mm -hmm. um, now with finding out that you had bipolar disorder mm -hmm. being prescribed medication. Uh, this is in sobriety, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So at this point you weren't doing drugs, um, to that could have messed with the medications nope. and defeated the purpose. No, nope. 
Now, where are you on Adderall? Yeah, 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 yeah. So in your sobriety at that time, uh, you were being prescribed Adderall. You weren't abusing the Adderall anymore. Nope. Correct. You were using it as directed. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, now you had bipolar medication and, and that was helping you? Um, barely. It took four years to get Stable. bipolar Stabilized. medication stabilized. But when you first found out you had bipolar, was it in your mind, Robert's mind? Like, mm -hmm. uh, you know, there's some people that they get diagnosed with a, a, a mental health disorder. Mm -hmm. It'll mess with them. They'll be, mm -hmm. Not me. Uh -uh. I don't want to take the meds. Or I'll, I'll take the meds. And then they'll take them for a little while and then they'll stop taking them because, or either, they either forget, they don't think they need them, they'll become their own doctor. Several things could happen. See, here's, here's how did the, it hit you? Here's the thing is like, um, uh, the reason, especially like a lot of people with bipolar disorder, um, don't uh, want to take the meds is what a manic episode feels like while it's good mm -hmm. until it turns scary, right? At least is, um, uh, imagine like, you know, the highest you ever were on speed, but you're also not at all shaky and there's mm -hmm. no side effects. Right. It's, it's just like, um, in terms of euphoria, um, it was the best feeling I ever experienced until I got to a point of just like a long, stable peace. Mm -hmm. But, you know, until I got to a point of a long, stable peace, it's, um, you know, you just don't know that exists until you know it exists. Mm -hmm. um, so, like, I, I get why a lot of people uh, don't want to take their meds because, like, that feeling is the best feeling in the world when you don't know that there is uh, a, a peace that's attainable. Mm -hmm. um, that peace won't come through medication. It, that peace is something that I found through spirituality. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I got really lucky because very early on, um, uh, when I'd start to get that manic feeling, the thought that would come to mind is I'm going to spend money that I don't have. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm going to, uh, uh, end up, you know, sleeping with someone who I don't want to sleep with mm -hmm. and then I'm not going to get out of bed for two weeks. Okay. Um, to be debilitated. Yeah. So it was like, uh, I, I, I very quickly learned, you know, manic means do stupid things and then become severely depressed. Because so, of the stupid actions? No, just because that's how, just because of mood disorder. Okay. So, so it's you, part always, of the you always, you always crash after the mania, mm -hmm. you know, um, and I'm a rapid cycler. You know, how long like, does the mania sometimes last or has it three to five days? It's three to five days, and then the depression is a week or two. So, like, yeah, it's uh, I'm I'm a rapid cycler. Yeah. It's, so you talked about spirituality, and mm -hmm. you feel so. Did you stop in that four year time? Did you stop taking your bipolar medication? Do you still take it? Yeah. And if yeah. you if let's say you didn't take it, what would happen? Would you fall apart? Probably. Has there um, been times in your life where you stopped taking it for a period of time to test? to see Actually, it? yeah, I did once um, at the recommendation of someone uh, who I trusted who should not have made that recommendation to me. Um, Somebody told you to get off your meds? Yeah. Um, Why? Just because they were like, you know, it, it, around, you know, like two years sober, it, it was uh, worth 
while to check, you know, like there are a lot of people who get put on a lot of shit when they get sober because when you get sober, you're batshit fucking crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and it looks like a lot of disorders. Um, and they probably don't need to be on those medications. It was maybe worthwhile checking to see if that was what happened. <coughs> and that wasn't what happened. I'm actually bipolar and I need to be on the medications. Mm-hmm. You know, when I got off of everything, I was like, uh, you know, I was always a little uneasy, but I was fine for like a month or two. And then I um, went into a, a pretty severe episode and I had to get back on them and I haven't gotten back off since. Okay. Um, as far as the Adderall, you continue to take that throughout your sobriety at that time. You were, you got sober 20. Yep. And then you got up to what, 25, 26 years old. You had how many years? Uh, four, a little over four and a half. Okay. So after you got to that point in your sobriety, all things considered, everything mm-hmm. that you've named, um, you also had a, a stint during that time, a, a few stints perhaps, of doing steroids. Um, that was one long stint starting at around four years sober. Uh, like, so, so um, now I said like 11 to 15, I had a pretty severe binge eating disorder. 15, yes. I, I developed all the other eating mm-hmm. disorders. Mm-hmm. Um, that cycle kind of repeated itself in my sobriety. Right. Um, so like I got sober at 20, 20 to 24, I had a pretty severe binge eating disorder alone. Uh, 24, I looked in um, the mirror and it was like, you're disgusting and no one will ever love you. And the solution to that was like, you know, the, the eight months leading up to my relapse, what my days looked like a lot of days is like, uh, jab a syringe full of mixed steroids into my ass cheek, uh, work out like a psycho past failure for two and a half hours, starve mm-hmm. myself all day, binge at night, sometimes throw it up. I didn't really like that one that much. Were you looking at your body and thinking, um, I I'm fat. Yeah. Like my belly's big. Okay. I mean, it was, um, it, it, um, you know, like I knew, uh, I knew um, if I see, cause here's the thing is like, I, I definitely had a basis to understand that um, no matter what shape my body turned into, uh, it wasn't going to make me happy. Right. Cause like, I remember very vividly being 19, looking in the mirror at that time, I was like 190 fucking diced. Um, and um like shredded yeah 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 like 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 people thought i was an abercrombie model like fucking shredded yeah um and um i just like i have an old tennis injury in my shoulder and so like my right shoulder grows bigger than my left my left pec grows bigger than my right and Mm -hmm. that was all i could see in the mirror and i thought i looked fucking terrible Mm -hmm. no one else in the world noticed only you saw it yeah it's Um, usually that way yeah i used to when i was starting to go bald mm mm-hmm I would sit in certain meetings or classroom settings and think that everyone is looking at my bald spot. <laughs> yeah. Like that's, it's so embarrassing that everybody's got, I, like, I needed to shave it all the way bald because everyone sees that I'm going bald. Yeah. So and nobody cares. So, you know, everyone's like, thinking about themselves. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it was just like, um, a good, eight months of like uh one i had to figure out which steroids i could tolerate which was unfortunate because the ones that made me 
uh, lose weight in the way that I wanted to also made me shake to my core. Like it's a way that like no amount of stimulants will ever make you shake. It's a twitch. Um, and like, I couldn't tolerate that. It was just like, I worked too goddamn long to have like some modicum of peace in my life and my eating disorder can't have that. Mm -hmm. Um, so like, yeah, but, um, you know, there's, I, I, um, so the opinion that I've developed over, uh, uh, my time using steroids about steroids and sobriety, um, is, uh, the, the thing is like the steroids themselves are, they, they just don't have, um, a chemical effect that you can really consider mind altering. Like it's a little maybe mood altering mm-hmm. on their own. They're not mind altering. Um, and the thing is like, I think people who have no desire to do steroids, uh, who are sober could probably do steroids and be just fine. Anyone who's willing to say like, yes, I am going to harm my body, my heart, uh, and, uh, my testicles with, with these substances in order to look a certain way Mm -hmm. is doing that because they think that looking a certain way is going to bring them happiness and it's absolutely fucking not going to do that. Mm -hmm. And then somewhere down the road, you know, like I found myself like eight months down the road of seeking something, uh, uh, that is, uh, antithetical, like I can't seek the body that steroids are going to give me Mm -hmm. for happiness and God for happiness at the same time. Mm -hmm. Um, like I could understand how someone, you know, with a really strong connection with a higher power, uh, could stay sober and maybe like they're a professional bodybuilder and doing steroids is like, uh, in their, literally in their job description. Right. But they don't think the body's going to make them happy. Hmm. Um, and so, so it's proven, it's known yeah, that yeah. when people do steroids, it does hurt. It affects the heart. Yeah. I as mean, well as fuck, po- man, other bodybuilders organs, are other dropping organs. like flies right now. It's like every pro show, it's like some big name dies leading up to the show. Okay. Um, and um, Because there's a lot of people in, in recovery. I mean, mm-hmm. I've had several conversations with people that are in the recovery space mm-hmm. that have gotten sober from drugs and alcohol that do steroids or that are doing HGH, that are doing mm-hmm. tests, um, that are very justified in the way that they talk about the fact that they do them or that it's okay to do. Some people call it a relapse. Some people call it a behavioral relapse because you're behaving in certain ways because you're doing the steroids and, and you're trying to enhance your, your, the outer image thinking that that's going to look better. But internally, I mean, we're, we're really, we're doing God's work or at least attempting to do God's work on our own physique, which mm-hmm. isn't what God really intended for us. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, that, that's the thing is like, um, if you believe people, in God. people who are sober, who are in, in a mindset that um, steroids are going to fix them, what they're going to end up, what's going to end up happening is um, they're going to seek that uh, to the exclusion 
of whatever solution is actually going to make them happy. Mm-hmm. And six months down the road, eight a year down the road, whatever down the road, mm-hmm. they're going to end up in a point at a point where it's like that didn't work, and they're very they're much further away from what does work. What about um, the ones that do it ongoing and don't just stop to the point where they might have that realization? There's some that well, continue. I didn't I didn't have that realization when I stopped. Um, uh, I, I had that realization. Um, like I didn't stop and then have that realization. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it, it's, it's just like uh, what happened. Like, fuck man, on my relapse, it had like a lethal dose of speed. Like I looked up the LD50 of uh, the form of, speed that I took and mm-hmm. I took more than that in a 12 hour period. Um, and my blood pressure going into it was like 165 over a hundred from all the steroids that I was on. Like I genuinely don't know how I'm alive. Um, when uh, you, you said you re- relapsed, you relapsed when, uh, it was about 4 PM on March 8th of this year to 4 AM on March 9th. Okay, so for 12 hours, you relapsed because you abused your own Adderall? Um, yeah, it was, uh, it, was, uh, it was Ritalin, not Adderall. But, okay. But like, yeah, same shit. You just took a little more than you actually should have or a lot no, more? No, I, I took um, about uh, uh, 20 to 25 days worth of the maximum prescribable dose in 12 hours. Okay. And then you re- you had a realization like I just relapsed like this is not good well, like I got to yeah, you know, bounce back. Um, here's the thing is like um, I was at work and around noon um, uh, the thought popped into my head. I was just like I'm gonna go home and snort a shit ton of Ritalin and I had till four to call someone, but it just didn't occur to me that it was a bad idea. In that time, the thought didn't enter my mind that it was. You know, like there was this very vague notion in the back of my mind that like maybe this was somewhat of a bad idea. Well, but, for those four and a half years before, though, didn't you was sobriety not comfortable that this thought would just occur to you? Had you not um, gone through some process yeah, to where recovery yeah, was embraced and it was uh, like a way of life? Yeah, absolutely. I had. You had? Yeah. It, just yeah. the thought came. Yeah. Um, the, the, thought, the thought came because I was, you know... Um, you have to do a lot of stupid shit for a really long time to relapse after many years of sobriety. It's sure. not just like sitting around the corner waiting to jump out, you know, but I had spent the last, I don't know, eight months, nine months straight, um, uh, seeking happiness primarily in a slew of eating disorders. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and, um, like, the fact is like, you know, if I get that far away from, um, a relationship with, uh, uh, with God and, um, for anyone who's watching this at some point, I fucking forgot we're recording this Jesus. Um, for anyone who's watching this, when I say God, uh, uh, I, and if you have a problem with God, I don't mean what you think I mean. And I know that for a fact, because I don't fucking know what God is. God is, uh, whatever the fuck continues to magically solve my problems as long as I don't try and solve them myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, if I get far enough from away from that as my solution, then like, 
you know, I'm still a fucking addict. And like the thought pops into my mind that like, uh, I'm going to use and it just doesn't occur to me that it's a bad idea until I do it. And then like, you know, I did it and like, uh, you know, like right when you, uh, take a hit of some like stimulant, you know, um, and like you start to feel a rush Mm -hmm. and you're like, all right. And like, a minute or so this is really like the magic is going to kick in right but like it's like i got that feeling where i was on the way to the magic and the magic just didn't fucking happen mm. and i was like uh-oh okay. yeah i was yeah, like I well well fuck you know so, so it didn't last long no because you were relapsed for how long 12, 12 hours. hours yeah 12 uh, hours 12 hours 20 26 year old 25 26 year old guy 25 at the time. 25 that had four and a half years of sobriety. And you realize within 12 hours, I'm not going to keep, I'm not going the other way. I realized the first time, uh, I realized the first line, Uh I'm not going the other way. It was just like, well, I'm already here. I'm going to keep going. Okay. So for the next 12 hours, it's just like, yeah. But like, as soon as I did it, I was like, well, I'm, you know, I'm getting sober tomorrow again. Okay, good. That's a good, I like that. Well, it was, it was just because like, the life that I've gotten through sobriety is really magical and the drugs really weren't, you know? So I've, I've known you for a while Uh huh. and I was there during that time mm-hmm. and I watched you bounce back mm-hmm. and I, the way that you bounce back, it's like you, we, we talked, you wanted to continue to be on Adderall. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we spoke about um, how, how that would look. Mm-hmm. You asked me if I was a doctor. I said, I'm not. Mm-hmm. I said, um, <clears throat> you can do what you want. Mm-hmm. You can have your own interpretation of your recovery the way that you mm-hmm. see it. Um, I see recovery in a different sense. Yeah. But you decided to, to this all happened on your own time mm-hmm. within, within your own decision making. Mm-hmm. You decided to stop being on Adderall. Mm-hmm. You went through a process where mm-hmm. you... I think it was enlightening and, and eye-opening to you that you could actually like live and function normally in the world without it, and and you taught yourself that. You showed yourself that. Yeah. Also, you uh, um, you were contemplating getting some more steroids and continued to do that. Mm-hmm. I think something was coming in the mail and something yeah. happened. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's interesting. Um, you know, um, I, I was at a I was at a point where I really wanted to get. I wanted to want to get off steroids, but I couldn't get myself there because okay. like, um, God, I was in so much pain. The thing is like, you know, I, I try getting off steroids and then I just start like binging and purging 10 times a day. Oh, so and you I were was, binging and purging during that time. Yeah. 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 Um, it was, and you I'd, spoke of eating disorders in the last, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you know, I bounced back and, more in your recovery. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I bounced back and forth between all the eating disorders. Um, and like, you know, I can, uh, what the steroids were was like, um, if I could do a bunch of steroids and work out like a psychopath for two hours in the morning, then I could like sequester the eating disorder to that, uh, portion of the day. And the rest of my day for sure was worse than it would have been if I were just like not doing any of that shit. But I felt like that was the best that, uh, I was capable of having. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, what, so it was remarkable to see you get 
to withstand from doing steroids and getting mm -hmm. back into another cycle, to get the Ritalin out of your life, mm -hmm. to become 100% abstinent, right? Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, like I already told you, I went back on the medication after I went back into school. Oh, Adderall. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. You did say that you went back on that. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I'm, I'm still off the steroids. I, uh, you know, I, I found that, um, you know, while I was working an insurance job uh, and I didn't have to do mm -hmm. uh, really intensive, like digging through literature type shit, mm -hmm. um, I absolutely didn't need to be on, uh, on ADHD medication. Okay. Um, and, you know, like, Honestly, for almost everyone, uh, if they're in sobriety, there are non-stimulant alternatives to um, stimulant medications that are plenty effective for anything that you might need. Name one. Um, like Stratera. Uh -huh. um, uh, I don't have the option of taking that because I lack the liver enzyme that processes it. So okay. it builds up way too high in my system and it will hospitalize me. Okay. Um uh, like in the psych ward, um, with fucking interaction with my bipolar disorder and shit. Um, but like, yeah, you know, um, I don't know, man. I, uh, uh, unfortunately I had to, uh, make a decision that like, you know, like the place I belong is in a university laboratory. Um, and, so what are you doing for work now? I'm in school full time, but I'm also um, uh, working uh, full time in a lab at that school. I'm not getting paid to do it yet. That's right. You know, but uh, the plan is to become. Um, I mean, I'm I'm either if I do private industry, it's going to be something in biomedical engineering, brain science, biomedical engineering shit. Uh, if I uh, stay public sector, it'll be pure neurobiology research. Um, man, I'm like, I'm, uh, I'm, uh, about to start working in a lab where, uh, we're doing some really cool stuff and planting stem cells into the brains of mice, mm. um, doing some really, you know, like, um, once we can figure out, uh, all the things we need to, uh, figure out before, the process that that starts uh, can be applicable to uh, treating humans. Like, you know, someone's winning a Nobel prize for the shit that we're doing probably won't be me, but someone is. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people's lives will be way better. Um, so like, you know, I, I, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm really excited. <laughs> really I'm excited. excited for you. Yeah. You sound like you're you're doing well for yourself. Like you're going somewhere in life. Finally, you know. Yeah. Um. After a after a really really long time, you know. Um. Uh. What's amazing is like, you know, it's funny. Like I've uh I've been on this uh, these ADHD medications for fucking forever, um. And um the uh the the big difference in my relationship with them now versus what my relationship with them was for a long time was um i was expecting the medications 
to solve uh, the problem of like uh, me not wanting to do work. Mm -hmm. uh, it took me a really fucking long time right. to learn to do uh, the shit that I need to do, but don't want to do mm -hmm. like five years, a really long time. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Um, and, um, like, uh, yeah, so I was expecting these medications to solve the problem. Um, you know, now I, I, I take them, they kick in, I don't feel them. Like, uh, you know, that's like I take them and then sometime like an hour later, it's like uh, it, it's uh, the, the, the manifestation that ADHD still has is if I'm going to like dig through a really dense research or something like that, mm -hmm. um, I have to push really hard to focus. And I can do that for an hour twice a day, and that's all the energy that I have. Gotcha. Um, uh, the medication makes it to where, like, I don't have to push that hard mm -hmm. to be able to, like, focus on it. Um, yeah. Well, awesome. Um, so, um, Yeah, uh, fuck, man. I I see you plugged into the recovery community. I see you, you know, taking your recovery very seriously. I admire you. I think you're doing great. Uh, it's nice to have you on here today. It's nice to hear where you are with everything. You've changed dramatically and immensely in the last year from what I've seen. See, here's the thing that changed, right? Um, the thing that really changed for me was, um, you know, a, a couple months, uh, the, the first couple months after, uh, I got sober again, like after my relapse, like, yeah, I mean, like I took things seriously, mm -hmm. but, um, for pretty much my entire life, uh, especially for like the five years in sobriety, I'd, I'd been, I was convinced that I was going to find a thing that was uh, going to fix me. It was going to uh, make me peaceful, calm. I was going to figure out a way to be peaceful, calm, happy, productive, um, you know, be able to live a good life. Mm -hmm. um, and I tried, uh, I tried one, I tried a lot of treatments that no one has access to, you know, uh, at a psychiatrist, a neuroscientist, um, you know, like I, I tried uh, neurofeedback. Neurofeedback's cool. Um, it, it wasn't the magical answer that I was looking for. Right. Um, and then I tried, you know, like spending sh sprees and shitty relationships and a bunch of eating disorders. Um, you know, I tried all sorts of shit, uh, medical, uh, behavioral, legal, illegal. I tried it all. Mm -hmm. um, and at about five years, I... Uh, realized that like, you know, uh, five years after I got sober, uh, three months after my relapse, something like that. Um, uh, I, I just realized like, fuck, I'm never going to figure it out. I'm never, ever, ever going to figure it out. Uh, and the only thing that I could think to do is to kill myself. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, you know, like when I made that decision, I got really peaceful. Mm -hmm because like, I just didn't fucking have to do it anymore. It was freedom. Right. Um, 
And um, uh, I couldn't kill myself right then because I had a meeting the next day that I had an important commitment at. Um, so I, was, I wanted to give them a week to figure it out. So like I, I, I would get home from that meeting the next day at about nine. It was around six. So at that point I like, it's like, all right, I'm killing myself when I come home from the meeting, they'll have a week to figure it out. Mm -hmm. uh, so I had about 27 hours to live and I kind of fired like a shot off to God. Um, I was just like, all right, God, you got 27 hours to fix this shit or I'm the fuck out of here. Mm -hmm. And, um, uh, he did, you know, um, it was just like an hour after I did that, I started to get this like nervous energy. Like there's a bunch of shit I need to do. Mm. Um, and, um, you know, I felt really safe firing that shot off to God because I, I really thought I knew and understood God. Um, and the God that I knew and understood did not have the power to fix my problems. I'd been asking God to do that mm -hmm. for five years and he never had. Um, uh, and what I figured out was um, God will not fix my problems while I have another idea of how I'm going to fix them. Right. And if I have another idea of how I'm going to fix them, it's just like, yeah, fucking try it. Go run that shit. I don't give a shit. Right. Um, so, um, uh, you know, it, it, uh, the moment that I ran out of ideas of how I was going to fix my own problems that I'd never been able to fix um, was, you know, the most painful moment of my entire life. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but like since then, now that I've really firmly, deeply understand on an emotional level mm -hmm. that uh, like I, I can rely on, on a level um, that um, there's some power out there that I don't fucking understand that if I just like ask it to fix uh, any problem that I can't fix myself, mm -hmm. which I make that determination based on like, if I put more effort into the problem and it gets better, it's my job to fix it. Most of my problems, when I put more effort into them, they get worse. And then it's not my job to fix it. Mm -hmm. um, so any of those problems, if I just like ask whatever the fuck is out there that keeps fixing it to fix it, it's, and then don't think about it. It's gone the next day. Mm -hmm. And it's not like, it's not like a white light experience, like angels come down for the heavens and strike me pure. It's just like the next day uh, during the middle of the day, I'm like, oh, I just haven't thought about that. And uh, it's gone. Um, and just like the amount of time and energy that I have back that I never was going to get back. Right. Um, because I don't have to fix so much of this shit that I don't have a way to solve. Mm -hmm. um, it's amazing. It's the best feeling in the world. And like, uh, the fact is every ounce of pain that I went through, like it just hurt to be alive for the first like 25 years that I was alive. Mm -hmm. You know, like I was born screaming so loud that child services got called on my mom eight times for trying to hug me. Like I would wake up and we were in public and just start screaming and she would back away and put her hands up so people could see that she wasn't beating me. 
you know, and it just hurt that much to be alive all the time Mm -hmm. until I came to have this relationship with the higher power Mm -hmm. and it was never going to get better on its own. And I was never, ever going to figure it out. Um, that means, and it was, it was all worth it. It, Cause if I get to live, um, this amazing life that I have today for, for the rest of my life, it was all worth it. Um, absolutely. I want to, I want to show you what some of the people's comments are here today. Mm-hmm. Um, Lisa says, thank you for your honesty. I wish you all the best. Melissa says, very familiar, a lot of your story. Brian says, wow, that was so well put, the most painful moment in life. Same for me, then everything changed. Dean says, wow, good stuff. Okay, so, um, I mean, this is a really great episode. I really enjoyed having you on here. You talked about so many things, all the topics that we had talked about in advance. I have, again, I appreciate you like coming out and being so transparent and open. There's a lot of stuff you talked about that a lot of people wouldn't. Um, yeah, you know, like, um, I don't know, um, I'm thinking it's like, you know, I, I got uh, a little awkward and stuttery when talking about uh, going back on ADHD medication. It's okay. Because it's just like, it's like, I, like, I can totally see how people listening to this are going to be like, mm-hmm. you're justifying drug use. Um, and like... I don't know. I don't, I don't want to give uh, anyone the impression that they can uh, do that when they have another option and it'll be okay. Mm-hmm. Cause like, fuck man, what I can tell you is like when you're on that shit, it's um, for a really long time. It was really, really easy for me to say like, you know, like fuck, like I've, uh, I've got some extra work to do today. So I'm going to take an extra pill today. Um, well, now you know better. I do. <laughs> it's good to have you out here today. Yeah. I'm on four hours of sleep because I was trying to help a friend that uh, relapsed last night that doesn't want to get well yet. But um, I love you very much. Thank you for coming to the corner. Have a good one. You too. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in.